I want to talk to you today about what it is to live on the other side of the cross. And we're going to say, what are you talking about, Pastor, living on the other side of the cross? Hang on. I want to take you to a story. And the story hit my heart this week because it starts out in the middle of the story. It says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Our story goes like this as you're turning. Jesus is approaching Jericho. And there's a blind man. He's sitting along the side of the road, begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he calls out, Jesus, can you imagine? Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. And all those that were with Jesus in the entourage, walking with him, a couple of them went back and just rebuked him, just told him, be quiet. You're making way too much noise. But it didn't stop him. He shouted even louder. He shouted even louder, son of David, please have mercy on me. Please stop. Heal me. Jesus stopped. He ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked this question. What do you want me to do for you? He says, Lord, I just want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. I'm sitting there thinking, can you imagine? You're hearing Jesus today is walking by incarnate in a situation you may be going on in your life and you're just calling out to him. Maybe you've been calling out to him now. At night in prayer somewhere and you're calling out, Jesus, will you hear me? Are you stop by? Can you imagine if he just says, come here. Yeah, I'll, he stops and he turns to you. Knowing that, oh my gosh, he's going to answer my prayer. I, as, when I saw this story, I thought, a blind man calls out to Jesus for mercy. Jesus confronts the man and he asks him this question. What do you want me to do for you? I just found that strange. I'm, what do you mean what I, what, what I want you to do? I'm blind. Right? You would think, why would Jesus ask that question? The guy's standing there blind. And it came very obvious to me. What kind of question was that? It was a type of question that Jesus asked each and every one of us. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? Maybe it's, hey, Jesus, you know, my son and wife, they're having issues in their marriage. I need you to heal them for me. Or maybe, you know, Jesus, my health is failing. Heal me. You know, Jesus, I don't know if I can make another month financially. I don't know if I can make it. I need money. This is, there's some serious family strife in our family happening right now. We need direction. Can you help us? And maybe Jesus, like in this story, maybe he's looking at us just like he did the blind man and going to understand there's a whole lot more going on here than meets the eye. Do you really want to see what's happening around you? I mean, even asking this man to see, do you really want to see? Do you really want to move forward in your life? Do you really want to see what Jesus is really doing? Let me set a, I'm going to set a stage for a video clip I want to show you.
It's a clip from the movie called The Matrix. The scene that you're going to see opens up with two men seated across from each other in a very dark room. Outside, you're going to hear a thunderstorm raging in the night. Thunder uh, so loud and so powerful, it's shaking the house to its foundations. There's flashes of lightning that are dimmed by heavy curtains on the windows because they've been drawn because, you see, this is a secret meeting. This is the first time these men have ever met, but they've been searching for each other for a very long time. Not a moment too soon, their destinies cross. One of them is going to be a tall black man dressed all in black, and his name is Morpheus. He carries an aura about him of a a spiritual master. And then you're going to see the younger man. His name is Neo. And he's trying to do his best to conceal the fact that he is frightened and he's uncertain of what's going to happen next. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. (sighs) Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Follow me. Do you want to know? This is your last chance. After this, there's no turning back. You take the blue pill, your story ends. You wake up in bed, you believe whatever it is you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I'm going to show you how deep the rabbit hole really goes. You see, this matrix is a parable, a metaphor. Though it's a dark story, 
It's far closer to reality to your and my life than you probably have been led to believe. The question that Morpheus asked of Neo is a question that Scripture asked of each and every one of us. Do you want to see? J.I. Packer once said this, We are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing the God whose world it is and who runs it. He says the world becomes a strange, mad, painful place for those that don't know about God. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I believe I put some of these in your notes today. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, look, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are what? Not seen. For the things which are seen are what? They're temporal, temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So friends, what do you want to do? Do you really want to see? Do you, or do you just want to stay on this side of the cross, the temporal world? Because you see the cross, why I'm using, where do you want to, what side of the cross you want to be on? Jeff talks about living in the world and then living in the spiritual world. You know how he rounds it back and forth on the stage here? You know, the world knows the cross. Many of the world knows what that cross looks like. Most people know what that symbolizes. Okay, they, a lot of people know who hung on it. But that's about all they know. Many people bow a knee to that. They give their life to Jesus. But they only take the blue pill. They stay on the front of the cross. They never go beyond. They never go on the other side of the cross. They never take the red pill and walk on the other side of the cross and all the promises that Jesus has offered to them. They never walk into the eternal. They always stay here just looking at it and knowing they got their get-out-of-hell-free card and this is where they stay. And their life still isn't going well and they still have no peace in their life. They have no comfort. And they don't understand why because they gave their life to this guy called Jesus. But they never walked on the other side of that cross. They never walked in all these promises that are inside of here. Friends, there are over 7,000 promises in here that God has offered to each and every one of us. And can I tell you, a promise is only as good as the person that gives it to you. Anybody ever break a promise? Anybody ever break a promise to you? Can I tell you about Jesus? He doesn't break his promises. He's saying, take the red pill. Walk on the other side. You've got to step out in faith. Come on, let me show you how deep the rabbit hole really goes. Let me show you all that's available. It's really going on all around you. Do you want to be in the temporal or do you want to be in the internal? Do you want to take the blue pill and just wake up and life keeps going on just the way it is? Or do you want to take the red pill and walk and dive into his word and let the spirit guide and direct you in all truths? Because you see, we've all been fed a lie. I call it the big lie of the world. And this lie says that our self-worth, this is what it says, and our security and our satisfaction in life is all wrapped up in our stuff. That's what it says. Madison Avenue, New York City, all the things they got going on. What do they tell us? They tell us, you know what? If you're not driving that car with that special emblem on the front of it, on the face of it, okay? If you're not driving that car, then you haven't made it. If you're not living in a home with a gated community in that special place, you're not made it. Oh, you don't carry a special title. Your 401's out of certain size, and it tells us this. 
It's the lie. All we got to do is turn on the news and hear more and more uh, movie stars and wealthy people committing suicide. They seem to have everything, but they don't have everything because it's been pulled over their eyes. They have not been able to see what the real truth is. It's the big lie of the world. So many of them have stuck with the blue pill. So this morning, I want us to take a look here. I want us to take us a look at some truths. And I'm going to share four eternal truths with all of you this morning. Truth number one, things are not what they seem. Truth number two, there is a spiritual battle raging in the world of the seen and the unseen. Truth number three, you have a crucial role to play. Truth number four, you must not go alone. Friends, listen. We can live in ignorance of the spiritual world around us, okay? But we, we really, we just can't. It would be so naive and a very dangerous thing to do. You and I have an enemy, okay? And you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to steal your freedom, okay? You know what else? He's trying to destroy your lives. He's trying to destroy my life, my wife's life, our marriage. To ignore and pretend that an enemy doesn't exist would be like skipping through the worst part of town at night, waving your wallet over your head, okay? Or it'd be like walking into a terrorist training camp wearing I Love America t-shirt, okay? It'd be silliness. It would be silliness. So let's take a deeper look this morning. Let's look at truth number one. Things are not what they seem. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings, verse 6. We're going to start in verse 11. I'm going to give you just a roundabout part of the story here. But I want you to, there's a king. His name is he's the king of Aram. And they're at war with Israel. What's great about this story is this king is frustrated. Every time he goes to move against Israel, somehow they know that he's coming or where he's at, and they avoid him. And he is, the story here, as we go through the story, he's furious. He is, he is positive, positive that there is a spy in his camp. And he goes, someone's letting him know what's going on. And one of his, uh, one of his officers has said it's that Elisha, that prophet that they have, those, Israels, those Israelites, he goes, he's, he knows what you say in your bedroom at nighttime. He knows what's going on, and he tells, he tells Israel what's happening and what you're planning. And, he, and the king just gets so aggravated, and he's so enraged, and he found out that Elisha is in a town called Dothan. So he sent a brigade over there, and they surrounded the town. Verse 15. Now when the attendant of the man of God, Elisha, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And a servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? They're in the city. His serving person, his attendant gets up. He's probably turned on the Keurig machine, you know, picked up a nice cup of French rose pod, dropped it in making the coffee, maybe pulled out the toaster, maybe you know, doing a bagel and maybe bagel and locks or whatever it is for breakfast in the morning. And you get in the coffee and he looks outside and, oh my, surrounded. And he runs to, to Alicia and says, tells him, and Alicia says to him, don't fear, 
For those who are with us are more than those that are with them. What? <laughs> Can you imagine this? We go, you holding this coffee, you go, what? What are you talking about? Don't you see what I see? But here's the key. He didn't see what he saw. Verse 17, Elisha prayed this, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike them blind. And he struck all of them blind. Things were not as they seem. They never are. Let me give you an example. I've been going through a Bible study called The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. There's a story in here, short one, by, it's about Joni Erickson Tata. You want to talk about how things are not what they seem in your life and what's happening and going on or has happened. I don't know if you know her story. 1967 diving accident left a 17-year-old Joni a quadriplegic. Lying on a hospital bed, she was filled with an overwhelming desire to end her life. Who could blame her? The thought of spending the rest of her years paralyzed from the neck down and relying on others to take care of her basic needs were staggering. But Joni did not end her life that day. Instead, she chose to surrender it to God. Little did she know the Spirit of God would transform her into one of the godliest women to grace this earth. God gave her humility and a love that enabled her to look beyond her own pain and to see others' hurts. She is a person who consistently, in humility, counts others more significant than herself. He goes, I don't even know where to begin about her. He goes, she's undergone two years of rehabilitation right after the accident. She learned how to paint with a, with a brush in between her teeth. You know, she uh, wrote a book called Joni, an autobiography that was later made into a full-length movie. She founded Joni and Friends in 1979 to increase Christian ministry to disabled community throughout the world. She actually then went ahead and she does a, a million people a day watch her five-minute radio program to this day. The organization starts, uh, serves hundreds of special-need families across, the, across our country. She started the Wheels for the World. Wheelchairs are collected nationwide, refurbished by inmates in several correctional facilities, and then they're shipped and donated to developing cities wherever possible physical therapists fit them to a chair. Since 2008, they have sent out 52,342 wheelchairs to 102 countries. And her story goes on and on and on. Her story didn't turn out like things like we would think, did it? Not as she operated in the unseen realm. Eternal truth number two. Are you ready? Here's a spiritual battle raging in the world of the seen and unseen. The Apostle Paul wrote this. 2 Corinthians, if you have it, 2 Corinthians, this is one in your, in your Bible, I'm telling you, I would encourage you, highlight it, I would go home and I would just let it absorb, marinate on this scripture verse, because this is, listen to what he says, this is powerful, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, you know, you first you go, what? No, you don't war that way, for the weapons of our warfare are, 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 are not fleshly, 
but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, strongholds that are in people's lives. We are destroying speculations, false truths, and every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He goes, we're, we're against it. We're standing up against this. We're going up against the lie of the world. We're going against Satan and his minions. You know Satan and his minions are liars, right? Well, if you're new to this faith, let me tell you, Satan in Scripture is known as the father of lies. Do you know what Satan wants to do in his minions? He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy me. So I had somebody say, well, that's, I, I, I know that, Paul. I've been kind of following this. Well, how do I protect myself? I want you to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. If you have never read this in your Bible, you've never opened it, I'm encouraging you to please go home and go back to this. Pastor Jeff talks about this all the time, putting on the spirit of God's armor here. Paul, look at he's he's writing to the Ephesians. He says, look at be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because look what he said. Our struggle is what? It's not against flesh and blood. Are you here? But it's against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, and against spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly place. He goes, he goes it isn't against flesh and blood, it's against ideology. You know, you can kill every single terrorist there is, but if there's just one left, it's the ideology is the problem. It's false truths, false beliefs. That's what's got to change. This is what Jesus Christ came to do. I came to set you free. Remember what he said to Pilate? He's standing before Pilate, and Pilate goes, what are you even here for? He goes, because I came to bring the truth. I came to bring the truth. The world's been lied to. they got these false ideologies, false beliefs. Okay, And he goes, and the battle isn't against the, the people. It's against the wrong thoughts. It's the wrong patterns. I love what Peter tells us. You don't have to turn there. In 1 Peter, he says, be of sober mind. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, just seeking somebody to devour. So how do we protect ourselves in the spiritual battle that's raging around us? How do we combat this? You know what Paul tells us to do? Put on the, spirit, put on the armor of God. Did you know there was such a thing? It says right here, take up the full armor of God that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, having girded your loins with truth, put the truth wrapped around your waist, okay? the truth. Of, you know what's really cool about the, the belt of truth, the loin thing of truth is? You know, Paul uses a Roman soldier to show going into battle. And what's cool is why he puts, the, this is in order according to how the soldier got dressed, you know why the belt's the first one to go on? The belt holds everything in place. This belt loin thing, okay, it holds his sword, it holds their knives, it holds his breastplate, it hooks into it, okay, boots. I mean, it holds, everything is hooked together on this. That's the very first thing. Make sure you buckle around your waist. So when you get out of bed in the morning, I've heard Pastor Jeff more than one time say, before he gets out of bed in the morning, he puts the armor of God on. Make sure you buckle the, 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 the belt of truth around your waist. And then he says, and then put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, a breastplate, you know what it does? It protects your heart, right? You've seen all those movies, they got all the metal chest plate on there. It protects your heart. 
Righteousness just means you're right in God's eyes. It's something, this is important because the enemy will say, you're not worthy, you're not worth it. I knew you'd screw up. I knew you would say that. I knew you would cut that guy off. I knew you would use sign language here or there. I knew you would do it. Okay, God doesn't love you anymore. You're no good anymore. This breastplate, Paul says, make sure you put it on. It's showing that you are right in God's eyes. God sees you clean, okay? He protects your heart, okay? Then he goes and make sure you put on your feet, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be ready. Be ready to bring that message of hope and fulfillment and security and peace and love. Whenever you're asked, walk it to people. Take it to them. And he goes, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Did you ever watch some of those movies back in those days and they had those big shields in front of them? You know, and they got the whole army going down and all of a sudden all those arrows start flying and they all get right next to each other and they get like this behind it. Yeah, this is on, right? Okay. <laughs> did you know, did you know, did you know that that, that that shield, many of those shields were covered in leather? And they were soaked in water. And so when those fire arrows came and they hit it, they got extinguished right away. Powerful, right? Paul's saying, make sure you put that on. When your faith is getting tested and when you think God's not coming through and the arrows are coming at you to try to take you out, hold up your shield of faith. Hold it up. And then he says, and take that helmet of salvation and put that on your head to protect your mind away from anything to pull you away. And the most important, and I, my favorite one, this is the only offensive weapon out of it. Everything else is defensive. And he goes, make sure you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is how you fight today. We don't fight with swords. That's what Paul's trying to say. We, don't, we, don't, we fight the spiritual realm. You fight him with the promises and the word of God. How did Jesus combat Satan in the wilderness? What was it written? Friends, you know what part of the problem is today? I'm going down a bunny trail. (laughs) You know what many Christians just do? They put on the helmet of salvation. And that's it. Do you really hear what Paul said? Make sure you put the full armor of God on. Many Christians just take that helmet of salvation... Okay, I'm okay, and then they're all exposed. And they can't figure out why nothing's changing in their life. They can't figure it out. How come nothing's changing? How come the situation isn't clearing up for me? What's going on? Because you never put on the other pieces of armor that are afforded to you. It's more than just the helmet of salvation. God says, I've given you everything you need to prosper and have a fulfilling life, a joyful life in this world. Even with all its ugliness that there is, you can still bring beauty And love into the world. Eternal truth number three. We all have a crucial role to play. Every one of us. Look at, Jesus commanded us. Look at what he said in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am always with you to the end of the age. Look at We've been given the honor. Listen to me, those of you who are believers here and those of you listening. We've been given the honor and the privilege to bring the good news. 
God's asked us. He saved us. He called us out. We didn't go seeking him. Scripture says God called us. He called us out of darkness and brought us into light. And we get the honor. We're ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors. Look what 2 Corinthians uh, 5 says. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God was making an appeal through you and me. Think about that. He, he goes, I beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God. He said, okay, you're the one. You're the one bringing us. You're the ambassador. You should walk around with one of those things, you know, you know like the, what, what do you call those things? Worth from a sash. Yeah, you should walk around with a sash. I'm an ambassador of heaven. Because that's what you are. Look what Peter says. He goes, you're, this is what he said in 1 Peter 2. What's he say? You're a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do anybody remember being in darkness? And then when you're exposed to the light of Jesus Christ, does anybody remember? Did everything change going? It was like Paul with the scales falling off his eyes. I was 43 years old before I knew who Jesus was. I walked around in darkness. I didn't know I was in darkness until God called me out of it. Friends, we got a crucial role to play. To share the unbelievable grace, mercy, forgiveness, and power of the gospel. Let me run this. I, I'm going to show you this video clip. It's actually a, a, a worship clip. But I think this is ideal to understand what we have in our hands and what the world so desperately needs to hear. Will you guys run that for me? We're turning over every stone Hoping to find salvation In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home To the skeptic it might sound crazy It's the good news for us all It's greater than religion It's the power of the cross So can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home To the skeptic it might sound
gospel is not that we can receive Jesus into our lives, but that he's already received us into his. In my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall. It called me out of my darkness and carried me to the cross. In a moment, my eyes were open. In that moment, my heart was changed. Like a blinding light in the dead of night, it's the gospel. Oh, to the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home. Yeah, to the skeptic, it might sound crazy. Listen, everybody, this gospel saved my life. It not only saved my life in the temporal, it saved my life in the eternal. You know, people walk around just like I did for 43 years. I thought this was nothing but a book of rules and regulations. It's just a book of do's and don'ts. I never realized it's a book of reconciliation, right from page one to the end of the story. It starts in a garden, and it ends in a garden city. And everything else in between is God trying to reconcile the world back to himself. A race of people that had just gone south, blinded by the lies of the unseen world that is around us. Blinded. Friends, this is a tremendous... I just threw that video clip in there right now, the grass, to try to, in your hearts to realize what a tremendous opportunity the world so desperately needs to hear. That it's not rules and regulations. They need to hear that. They need to hear that. They need to hear it's just reconciliation. God making things right between all of us, empowering us to live a life of fulfillment. And eternal truth number four. I could go on forever. Because you know why I really believe this stuff? Because it changed my life. You must not go alone. Listen, this is the fourth and final. We'll be done in just a few minutes, but you're not supposed to go alone. Look what Paul told us in Romans. For just as we have many members, he's talking our body in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Obviously, my hand does this and my feet help me walk. (laughs) Okay, so we many are also the same thing in the body of Christ right here. Since we all have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, we're supposed to exercise them accordingly. You know what that all means? You ready? We need each other. We need each other. Everybody, we need each other. Everyone, as God has instilled something special into each and every one of you. You are uniquely made and you've been uniquely formed through life's experiences for such a time as this. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Do you know in, in the Jewish Bible there's not even a word for coincidence? No, there's not even a word. 
There's no such thing. You're made for a moment, for a time just like this. What is Proverbs 27, 17 said? Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. Can I encourage you, as your pastor, as a friend, surround yourself with solid, mature believers. Surround yourself. Look at if you're not involved in a life group, if you're not, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I just mean it from the bottom of my heart, I'm telling you, you're missing the boat. You will develop tremendous relationships and friendships through women's group, men's groups. I want to encourage you. Iron sharpens iron. Find somebody that you can trust and just say, you know what, I'm struggling with this, man. Somebody you can trust that can help me through this. I love what, uh, this is, here's the one main reason. And when I saw, when I, God brought this scripture verse to mind, you want to know why you should get together with others and pray? Matthew 18, 20. Wherever two or three have gathered together in my name, he's what? He's right there. Is that a reason I'm not taking together? But if you are the people and pray, God's right here. Jesus is right here. You know, I feel like right now when I go out like this, I feel like the show with McFly. Hello, McFly, are you there? You hear what I'm saying? You remember? McFly, are you hearing me? Jesus is right there. Look at Romans 8.31. If God's for us, who the heck can be against us? Listen, uh, thank you. That's uh, that, nobody. So let me close with this, okay? The Apostle Paul tells us that everyone who takes the red pill, this is what he tells us in Romans 8, 37. But in all these things, we're overwhelmingly conqueror through him who loves us. There's nothing that we cannot overcome. He goes, look, you know what else he says? I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will ever be ever separate any of us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome promise? It is, isn't it, you guys? It is on, right? You can hear me. I mean, isn't that, I'm serious, isn't that just the most awesome promise? So finally, let me just ask you, what are you going to do? Do you really want to see because it's an important question to ask. Do you really want the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you in a path at this stage of your life, no matter what direction he may ask you? Do you really want to see what he has for you? Because you see, you can go right ahead and take the blue pill and just keep going like you're going right now. Okay, you can go home, take the story end, you wake up tomorrow morning in bed, and life just continues on the way it is. You can live in the temporal. You can live on the front side of the cross. Or you can take the red pill. And you can stay in Wonderland and see how the Holy Spirit will show you just how deep the rabbit hole really goes. So what, um, Robert and Brian, guys, I want you guys want me to do a favor before I close out in prayer here. Um, I want, Brian, if you would take these up to one of the doors, okay, and just stand up there, go on up there with that. And I'm going to have you take one of these. These are our red and blue pills. Oh, you think you're, you're going to have to make a choice. You're not just not getting out of here. Thank you guys for doing this. They're going to be standing outside that door. And can I encourage you, just don't take it frivolously or just because somebody else is watching or whatever. Grab a hold of the four eternal truths. God didn't go and have himself crucified, mocked, spit on, cursed, and hung on a cross because he had nothing else to do. 
He came here so you could live in freedom, that you could live in peace and joy. He came so that when you go through the hardships of this life, you've got something you can lean on, and it's called Jesus Christ. But you can stay and take the blue pill, and you can continue on the way life is going, or you can take the red one. And I'm telling you, when you walk on that other side of the cross, and you start walking in the promises that are in here, the Holy Spirit will make changes in your life that you will not believe, and you'll wind up doing things you never thought you would ever do. You know how I know that? See what I'm doing? It's the farthest thing that I ever thought I'd ever be doing. And that's the truth. If God can take a broken sinner, a wretched man like me, and believe me, I had those wretched times in my life, and reach in and take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh, imagine what he can do for you. So, Father, I just want to thank you for this time together. Father, my hope and prayer is that that everyone in this room today has grasped a new revelation of not just who they are, but who they are in you. Father, I ask that you walk with them, empower them, reveal yourself to them in ways they've never seen before. Father, help them become seriously aware that there is an unseen realm around them, that there is your armies of angels that are there, Father, to help guide, direct, and protect so, Father, I ask you this, these things in Jesus' name and all that God's people said. Amen. And church, um, we're going to have some people up here to pray for you too as well. Um, red or blue, i got a camera out there. I'm going to be watching as you guys are there. <laughs> okay, God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs>